This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The horror genre deals with contemporary anxiety. So it can be manifested in so many ways. But the thing with us is our filmmakers, they still use all those kind of archaic imageries because we still relate to that in the sense that I think it also appeals to a certain group of audience. Mm-hmm. You know, you know? But if, if you look at detective films, right, uh, right. you know, investigative films, they still use horror element into right, it, right. but they replace the metaphor with something else right right something else you know right BFM 89.9, I'm Ahmad Fuad Rahmat. This is Night School, the show that explores concepts, theories and society. We have here in studio special guest, Dr. Jam. Or, as you are known in your many academic papers, Dr. Jamaluddin Aziz from UKM. You teach communications, film theory, film studies. And you are here to talk to us about horror in Malay cinema. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Fuad. I'll try my best to share what I know. Uh, hopefully, I'm you know sure you the, the audience can learn something from okay. it. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about how film theory thinks about horror, right? Because, especially in the Malay context, we mm. keep returning to ghosts. We keep returning to uh, myth- mythologies that you know evoke the supernatural and the terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? that film study understand to be the case about our interest in ghosts? I think um, I have to sort of position myself first. Uh, Even though I study the media, but usually I employ gender as my lens. Mm -hmm. So basically, if I look at the film, I analyze it from gender perspective. Mm -hmm. So inevitably, I might talk about feminism Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. My area is actually critical media studies. So Mm -hmm. I look at things from a very, hopefully, critical perspective. But but I think film, um, uh, the horror film genre itself, is quite a unique genre, but it has evolved into several subgenres and whatnot. But of course, I think because many of us are actually Western educated, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so we, we normally employ Western theory to understand our own cultural nuances. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, usually I would use psychoanalysis mm-hmm. or perhaps feminist psychoanalysis to understand the horror film. Mm-hmm. And one thing about uh, the horror, because horror genre, the horror genre itself, is not usually seen as a high mm-hmm. kind of genre. It's, it's very popular culture kind of genre, so people do look down at the genre. But for me, what the study of film theory can reveal is the kind of... Uh, for me, it's not the psychological, but also the, the unconscious structure mm-hmm. of our society. Mm-hmm. So if, if you look at the ghost, for example, uh, for us from film studies, we don't see the lateral ghost, mm-hmm. but we see it as a metaphor for something. Mm-hmm. And 
what I always love about the ghost, because my background is actually film noir. Mm -hmm. Film noir is influenced by German expressionism and whatnot. So you see the gothic tradition coming right, in. Right. But for me, I love uh, the horror as a film scholar because it explores the darker side of human being. Mm -hmm. In the sense that the horror film allows you to go to the edge of the society, the edge of your culture, the border, you know, and mm -hmm. then you say, oh, I've been to the border. I know what's wrong and what's right. right. So what film theory allows you to do, even though as a film theorist, you don't moralize over the right, issue, right. but it allows you to see what is right or wrong. Therefore, for me, I see the horror film as a very ontological genre. Mm -hmm. It allows you to question who you are. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? And what is reality? Exactly, because yeah. because you understand the border already, mm -hmm. what, what should not be crossed. Yeah. I think how many people have actually been there? <laughs> I've been there. You know, I remember <laughs> talking to one of my colleagues before and because she said, oh, you're very nice. And I said, uh, not really. I'm quite dark as a person. <laughs> I'm not saying that because I'm proud, but because I think I can do things that I may not want to do it Consciously, right, but subconsciously, right. I can do that because I think the theory has allowed me to right. venture to the edge of our own cultural border yeah. to understand what is right or what is wrong. That, that's very interesting. And that's where the psychoanalytic approach to film is interesting in that it allows you to confront your anxieties. Exactly. Right? So you don't just watch a film to feel pleasure. Right, you do also enjoy being anxious within a contained setting, mm -hmm. and in that period, you can be in touch with the, you know, for lack of a better word, darker side that you may not be able to show in everyday life yeah. and stuff like that. But as an educator in Malaysia, using a very popularized Western framework, do you find incompatibilities? Right, and what I have in mind is, for example, in our context, the Malay context, our encounter with the supernatural one would say is more frequent and quote-unquote normal than, say, in the white Anglo-Saxon context where it's very secular, you know, you can take the supernatural very lightly, you can mock it, you know, Halloween is not really scary, people just participate in Halloween because it's fun and they can get drunk or whatever, but for us, you know, we can't even by the side of the road without saying been yeah. asking for permission yeah 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 grandmother so. grandfather whatever yeah you just evoke all the spirits yeah. you know i think that's part of the our own especially malay psyche correct, you know correct. or the, the asian psyche if yeah. you call that but i think it's it's very interesting for you know I, I think i had that assumption as well you know thinking that okay uh, western theory you can't really excavate mm -hmm. you know culture anxieties of but i think one thing interesting about the horror genre itself like say if you compare it to comedy Mm -hmm. Comedy is very cultural. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. in the sense that what's comical for you might not be comical to uh, another culture. I remember watching, uh, you know, that dragon, uh, tiger, Chow Yuan fight a few oh, years ago. Oh, Couching Tiger, Couching Tiger. Dragon, I can't remember yeah. the title. Yeah. I, was, I was actually a student in England at the time. You know, when they started flying, you know, and the reaction from the audience was, they were laughing. And I was uh. like, what's so comical about it? You know, because they were not familiar right. with that kind of genre. But what I'm saying is comedy cannot travel 
very well. Right. You know, right. because what's funny to you may not be funny to somebody in Indonesia even, right. or what's funny for them might not be funny for you. But the horror genre, on the other hand, transcends that. Interesting. It transcends that, you know, in the sense that, you know, if, if you watch The Ring, you feel that, right. you know. Right. And if you watch, for example, really, really, you know, Conjuring. The Exorcist. Yeah, Exorcist. Yes. You know, even though they have all those iconography, the Western iconography. Right. Right. But you can really, because it appeals to your deeper anxiety and, you know, the fear. We are all, most of us, I don't want to generalize or generalize, most of us are afraid of the dark. Right, and right. it's not cultural. Right, right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So for people to say, oh, yeah. But I think it's important for us to understand that we are, especially for a person like me, we are, we do apply Western theory, but uh, sometimes... Uh, let's say when I analysed uh, the film Dampi Malam, I actually discovered something interesting using that. And because there are a lot of post-colonial theories as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. then when you actually borrow those theorization, then you realise that even the notion of the other mm-hmm. is not that applicable, but it provides enough vocabulary as a trajectory to yes. a discussion yes. about yes. it. But always remember, you know, a good horror travels and it transcends cultural boundaries. Right, right. Um, So what would the reason be for that, right? Because, you know, we have different ghosts, right? (laughs) Yeah. Across these different cultures. But they still trigger us in the same way, right? So correct that you can say that culturally these ghosts come in different forms, but they nonetheless speak to the same quote-unquote human condition, right? Exactly. And, and what is that? What is that human condition? I, I think if, if you apply union psychoanalysis, Correct. you know, these are archetypal characters, mm-hmm. you know, characters that are template. Mm-hmm. And the, the essence of union uh, psychoanalysis is that we all have universal template. Mm-hmm. You know, just for example, if you think about the figure, uh, the character, a dragon, for mm-hmm. example, if you look at the Western dragon, it looks like a dinosaur. Yeah. But if you look at the Chinese dragon, they are serpent yes. shaped, you know, because yes. that's the cultural nuances. Right. But they mean the same thing, uh-huh. you know, to the culture. Because the fact that both cultures have the same imagery may mean something. Right. You know, but but I think at the end of the day, maybe because we come from the same uh, creator. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe right. if you believe in the theory of evolution, maybe you come from the same <laughs> You know, water element or whatever it is, but <laughs> yeah, but I, I yeah. always always I always believe there's there's a sense of is a unifying fear, right, right. and since we're talking about the fear, the anxiety itself, I think horror film should speak about the contemporary anxiety or fear of that particular film. You know, when the Correct. film was made, right. for example, the Japanese film Ring mm. and stuff like that. That was very much about how Japan or Japanese creative world deals with the fear of the invasion of technology mm. into our lives. So they deal with technophobia, but mm. in the in the form of a ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. even there are, for example, David Cronenberg's film. You know, in which yeah. you know the, the the what do you call that the intersection between human and machine that disrupts our idea of what a human being is like mm-hmm. so for that reason horror is ontological right, because right. it asks very ontological questions yeah yeah and yeah. I, I like it that you locate the question at the border right at the border of signification right yeah. in that at some point you can't explain everything and that's when anxiety sets in. Yeah. And in order to tame or pacify the anxiety, you give it an image. 
right? In some cases, it's serpent-like dragons. In other cases, dinosaur-like dragons. Yeah. But the need to say something about the border of signification is still the same across these different contexts. Um, how would you describe the difference between horror as it is experienced textually and horror as it is experienced filmically? Do you mean textual as in the novel? The novel, for vis, example. Uh, vis-a-vis uh, the film. Vis- the correct, it, yeah, compared correct, to the right. film. But uh, so what does film add to our experience of the border that, say, a novel cannot? I think both, uh, in a way, if you call them media genres, there are two different media genres. Mm-hmm. One is diegetic, another one is mimetic, mm-hmm. you know. One uses the, what do you call that? Our visual, mm-hmm. you know, sense. Another, for me, I prefer uh, the literature mm-hmm. because it provides you with the liberty to imagine it the way you want to. Mm-hmm. Even though the description can be quite detailed, but like say, for example, a dragon. So you can imagine how the dragon is like right. using your own imagination. Where else for the film, the image is provided for you, mm-hmm. you know, so that in the sense that you are put into that particular location of imagination imagination rather than you are allowed to imagine stuff. Um, But I think because of the different in terms of what the medium is doing uh, reflects the function as well as not just the utility of it, but also the impact that it has on us. Mm -hmm. But if you think about, uh, just think about cinema as in, you know, going to the cinema, they switch off the light for you, you know, they actually set the mood of dreaming. Mm -hmm. You know, when you are Mm -hmm. in, in, in a cinema, so they actually situate you in the situation in which, okay, ready, sit down, quiet, switch off everything. That is actually making you ready to go to sleep. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. know, so cinema is that. That's the power of cinema, you know, because of the visual, the magic of cinema. It allows you to go to so many places, but still the images are framed, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, because, mm -hmm. because it tells a story through visual language, whereas novels through, you know, written language and whatnot. But I think for me, I prefer the novel because it allows me to imagine the way I want it to be. Because sometimes even if you look at the, you know, the film adaptation, when you watch the film, you say, oh, no, not really. That's not how I imagine it to be. Mm -hmm. So it can be anti-climax and and whatnot. But you're you're basically talking about two different mediums and what each medium does, you know, to the... Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, horror al- always evokes the uncanny, right? Yeah. And this always takes us to the house, right? And obviously, we all know of haunted houses. We've all experienced that before. Why is the house a very common location for horror? Okay, because first of all, if you think about using psychoanalysis sure, again, sure. let's go for it. It's always like it reminds you of the womb. Mm-hmm. You know, the fear that the child has. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about the, the you know, psychoanalysis, Oedipal drama that's yes. going on and stuff like that. You know, it's very difficult to explain it over the radio, sure. but you have to come to my class for that. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that it evokes that sense of entrapment, yes. closure. But it's also a critic of the family structure. Right. You know, because looking at the horror film, for example, Conjure, Conjurer, Conjuring, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, that event actually takes place in a home. Mm-hmm. You know, it questions the idea of the family structure itself. And the evil is not from outside, it's actually from within. Right. You know, so the home is is a potent metaphor for a lot of things. Yeah. Especially from gender perspective, it actually criticizes the mother mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also 
the failure of the father, mm-hmm. or even know? the failure of the family, and the, fam- the structure, yeah, the structure identities. of the family itself. Yeah. You know, yeah. so basically, a home or a house, rather, usually at the beginning of the narrative, is always about the family moved in, trying to build a home yeah. from that house. And it turns out to be something else. Right. Either they have to go out, live, you know, but the spirit of the evil will actually, you know, sometimes the father would bring something to the home. Most of the cases, it's the mother who brings something to the home. For example, in Jangan uh, Pandam Belakang, the character, the, the fiancé who actually passed away, she found something at the beach. She brought it home, but it actually belongs to the, if I'm not mistaken, the, you know, the sucker is actually from the fiancé's mm-hmm. generation, you know. So it, this is about investigating female sexuality, female power, because women are guilty of bringing the evil into the home, mm-hmm. you know. So it's always about investigating, as you said, not just the mother, the father, but it's also the structure of a family unit. Right. Yeah, and that's the, the thing, right? I mean, I, I think we've all had that moment as kids where we're like riding our bicycle across the neighbourhood and there's always that odd empty house and obviously there's already stories about <laughs> who actually lives there, what happened, somebody got killed, right? And it's interesting that just an empty house can unsettle us. You know, that reminds me of my, <laughs> my investigator group. I had two friends. We would go to the, you know, just not inside the house. We would like, you know, you know, we acted like we were investigators, you know, private eye looking, you know. So we always imagine it. We always imagine something is happening, something's going to happen. Somebody got murdered, you know, stuff like that, you know. But you're right, you're right. Because we are so structured within that space. Our very most basic identities were enabled by expectations that were delivered through the house. The yeah. empty house leaves us very unsettled. Yeah, it, yeah, because it's in a way the house becomes a face of xenophobia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. You know, the fear of the unknown. You don't yeah. know what's going to happen, but you always create your own narrative about you know the darkness of the, in the house, the decay of the house itself. Yeah. It evokes a lot of yeah. things that if you learn uh, from psychoanalytic perspective. Yeah. Our unconscious. Yeah. You know? and, and this could be the house that you're very familiar with. So just imagine the house that you go every other... The house you live in. Yeah. And suddenly everybody goes on vacation and you happen to stay back. Yeah. The house becomes a different place. Exactly. And you start hearing things. Yeah, so yeah exactly. We'll you right know, even even, even, even a, a cat meowing outside <laughs> sounds like, you know, somebody yeah. calling for something, you know. Yeah. It does, it does. Because yeah. your imagination just runs amok, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, fascinating. Stuff. Let's take a break, Dr. Jam, to hear some messages from the sponsors. We'll be right back on Night School. This is BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to me, Ahmad Fuad Rahmat. On Night School, the show that explores concepts, theories, and society. We are looking at the horror film genre uh, with Dr. Jamaluddin Aziz from UKM. You uh, teach and write on film studies, critical media theory, and uh, you've given a great overview of how psychoanalysis allows us to understand what happens during horror. And uh, interestingly, you've given a lot of examples from, you know, the global appeal of horror to even the interpersonal appeal of horror that everybody's grown up having to experience. Now, you mentioned the question of gender in the first part of the show, how horrors often become an allegory for female sexuality. Tell us a bit more about that. 
Okay, uh, for example, if you look at even film, in Malaysian context, I've analysed film Dampin Malam mm-hmm. or The Night Companion, you know, direct translation. It's actually, you know, even though there is a sucker character, sucker is an entity that uh, especially it it is inherited through the matrilinear mm-hmm. line, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's actually about that sucker character. But if you study it, it's actually trying to sort of reveal about the weakness of the mother, her failure as a wife, a failure as a mother I and see. a failure as a homemaker as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of revelation if we actually textually analyze the films. A lot of films are actually uh, trying to serve, not a lot, but some of them, they would put the mother into investigation or the father into investigation mm-hmm. or even, you know, the gender dynamic of the family, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, from my own experience, it's always about investigating female sexuality Mm -hmm. you know that's where gender angle comes in Mm -hmm. you know because if you look at the not just the metaphor but you also look at the metonym they all refer to uh what you call that feminine imageries Mm -hmm. you know the images are more feminine uh for example if you look at the film waris jariantu swami baba waris jariantu the ring is used a ring is a is a female symbol because it's round it's a feminine shape you know so it is about investigating female sexuality even though the main character in the film is i think is hermaphrodite Mm -hmm. but then uh it's actually questioning whether or when she goes through transformation, trans into a woman. So the spirit, would the spirit identify him as a her or as, you know, when the spirit allows him to accept the ring, she is actually ultimately becomes a woman. So it's acceptable as a woman, even because the spirit of the family accepts her in the matrilineal line, you know. So there, there are other elements that actually point to us investigating female sexualities and female power. Mm-hmm. Um, the image of uh, the banshee, the screaming... The Pontiana. I think it's the Irish equivalent oh, to okay. it. Okay. So it's very difficult. You know, it's like some people call it Pontiana and stuff yeah. like that. But that image refers to what the family says, you know, the revenge that mm-hmm. women have, you know. So the fear of women, the orifice of women orifice, is manifested in the screaming female, for example. So all the shapes, I don't want to go into, you know, but what I'm saying is those are the metaphors uh, that reflect our investigation or our anxiety about female sexuality. Can you think of, in the Western case, where horror blends with other genres in the way that it does in the Malay context? So, for example... Horror comedy is very common here. Yeah. But even horror melodramas, right? Like, so, um, Ibu Mertuaku at the end where yeah. Hiramli is walking like Frankenstein. Yeah. Or even Tarudur Rajat, yeah. you know, where it's like Zaleha, you know, like he's yeah. a ghost in the beginning, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking out loud here. I haven't prepared this question. So, but do you find that horror blends in with other genres more frequently in the Malay context, as say, in the Western context? Um, I think it's very difficult to actually say that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, to say yes to that, because I think we have not produced enough horrors. Because I think we I, haven't produced enough I horrors? Think for me, wow. for me, yeah. because I think before that, because of censorship problem and whatnot, until to the point, I think in 2004, when Swami Baba produced 
what do you call that? That Pontianak Harum mm-hmm. Sunda Malam, mm-hmm. you know, and the uh, censorship gets a bit relaxed, right, right. you know. But before that, even even right, yeah, right. you know, true. so there was Rasia, but yeah, that was quite. I think, yeah, yeah, after that, we have series of until the then Prime Minister, ex-Prime Minister, our Tun, said something about, you know, the problem with horror is that it's so emotional, irrational, but we are trying to produce people who are rational, very right, scientific, right. you know. So there was a political concern and nation-building concern from the Tun, the previous Tun Mahdi, yeah. you know, about the horror genre itself. But now, because, you know, they keep producing the horror, but that's very much... For me, it's all about cashing in the moment, right, right. you know, because people want to watch the horror because I think Swami Baba started that and a few other films as well. Yeah. Jangan Pandai Belakang was also very successful. And I think people want, wanted to sort of, okay, let's, let's milk the cow right, to the end, right, you know. Right. But for me, there are uh, Malaysian films of quite clever. I think Bunuhan, uh, yeah, Bunuhan yeah. is also horror yeah, because yeah. it's got a sucker character as well. That's yeah? true, that's true. And, and, and also perhaps uh, Dukon. Yeah, Dukon, yeah. you know, but I think what I'm saying here is we don't have enough aesthetic as it is to compare to the classical Hollywood, for example, that yeah, that yeah. combines. But uh, hybridity is part of the postmodern media culture. Right, so right. in the sense that you will see, but I think like say Hantu Kalima has made its mark again. So yeah, in the sense yeah. that there will be, there will be. Yeah. But but for me, it's very difficult to say, yeah, we, we have successfully combined genre with other genres. Yeah. But you have to understand the kind of audience we have as well. That's true. The kind of audience who will go and watch uh, certain, you know, yeah. horror, comedy and whatnot. Yeah. I don't want to say that Malaysian audience are not clever, but... No, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. wasn't going but, for but, that at all. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but having said that as well, it's also problematic because... Uh, we keep using the West as a standard. Yeah, you yeah. know, we shouldn't. We should stop doing that. No, you know? I agree. Yeah, I agree. So that's also a problem. Yeah, I guess my interest is the extent to which, and then this is where where I'm coming from. The purpose of storytelling in the yeah. beginning, because right? I think we take it for granted that everybody tells stories for the same reasons. I'm still not sure, you know, if there's like a grand narrative for what Malaysian films do, or Malay films do necessarily, but. Uh, let's take for example Ghostbusters. Yeah. Right. It's about ghosts, but nobody would think of it as a horror film because yeah. nobody would think of it as scary, right? Um, but you can look at, for example, a film like Ibu Mertuaku, where the ending is scary, even yeah. though it's not a horror film. Yeah. Right. So there's something about our relationship to the supernatural, so to speak. Again, I'm generalizing here. Uh, that is a little bit more dynamic than say in a context that is very secular. Yeah. Right. So that's just like the line of inquiry. Perhaps know. perhaps the main genre itself, like Ibu Matuaku, is not really horror, but it has got horror element to yeah. it, you know. Horror or horrifying effects. Uh, yeah. That you yeah. Do so feel uh, in, yeah. in the sense that it uses a certain horror technique to evoke a certain effect. Yeah. You know, in the audience. So but yeah. it doesn't mean that it's a horror. The same thing, I think one of the problems with Varis Jariantu, you know, because Jariantu refers to this finger, the I think this the middle finger. The middle yeah. finger, right? So if you look at the 
title, the word hantu itself, because of generic expectation, you know, when you go, oh, it's going to be hantu, there's going to be a ghost. But actually, it's not because it's not a ghost story, it's mm-hmm. a sucker story. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. You, you know, in the sense that, so maybe or the audience, right, they right. have a certain expectation because of the word ghost. But if you look at the, what is jari hantu? People will go for the word hantu, the ghost words, yeah, without yeah. thinking about it's actually, you know, the, the symbolism that, you know, that you would definitely use the ring to you know to right. put to put your ring in you know stuff yeah, like that yeah. so it is about inheritance it's about uh, the matrilineal heritage mm-hmm. uh, of soccer itself but because of i think one thing about discussing films or anything from genre perspective we cannot not talk about a generic expectation mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how hybrid genre subverts certain expectations mm-hmm. you know and and i think uh, certain films like ibu matuaku it was a shock at the at the end mm-hmm. because it subverts our expectation of melodrama Correct, for example right. yeah. yeah which i think is brilliant right because to yeah. think that that was experimented at that time. Right? Yeah, I, I think that's a question of formula as well, yeah, you yeah. know, formula versus genre. In the sense that if you watch something that is so formulaic, I think after quite some time, I didn't really go to the cinema because I was like, oh God, you know, I, I know what's going to happen. I, I know it's going to... I'm not talking about Malaysian film. I'm also talking about Hollywood film, you know. But then I said, no, I'm a film scholar. I have to love film. Regardless how bad a film is, I still have to love the film. Yeah, but yeah. what I'm saying is the formula kills as well. It can kill our expectation. But it helps especially young filmmakers to work with the genre. Yeah, yeah, I agree. How about uh, male ghosts? What sorts of pressures or prejudices are typically projected on male ghosts? Is there a, a parallel discourse to that? Uh, I think if you uh, look at Interview with the Vampire, yeah. Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. there is, for us, when we studied that, there was homosexual uh, discourse mm-hmm. going on because the character Tom Cruise, actually, as a vampire, because in vampire tradition, the vampire only sucks female blood, mm-hmm. right? But in that narrative... He sucks Brad Pitt's, you know, so another mm-hmm. guy. So that is a metaphor for homosexual relationship mm-hmm. and, and also homosexual parenting because Brad Pitt adopts all the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. So there is also a dimension, a gender dimension to it. Yeah. But if you look at Harry Potter, for example, there are a lot of male spirits or male ghosts, but they come in a very like comedy, yes, very comforting, yes. you know, very fatherly in that sense, yeah. you know. Where else? I think that's the thing. It's all about our fear of female power. We don't Even feel male. male ghosts. Yeah, in, but, in the sense that we, right. most of them, are, you know, are quite comforting. Right, you know, right. but, interesting. But in, you interesting. know, comforting. But for even Gasper, something Gasper, like that. Yeah. Gasper, Gasper? Yeah, Gasper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Long time ago, you know. So <laughs> there's a sense of comfort, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But where else for a female? Because it evokes a certain fear that we as men have yeah. uh, about women but and how, their gender, their sexuality. Do you have a sense of how a lot of these things, whether it's orang minyak, toyo, saka, takes on a different meaning once it's visualized for cinema, right? So there's sort of the quote-unquote traditional meaning yeah. uh, because, you know, saka was a way to secure the family bloodline, right? Mm-hmm. And it was taken seriously by a lot of families for the longest time. But now in modernity, family becomes more fragmented so certainty of your maternal connections become something more urgent yeah right i mean tell us a little bit about how a lot of these categories are recoded 
for a modern audience or for modern enjoyment? Okay, um, I think with us, because I think even when we talk about modernity, we'll still have this belief about the spirits. Uh, you know, I think if you go to the jungle, you still ask for Dato, yes, you know, yes. Nene, for even you believe it or not, yeah. what matters is at least, at least you feel safe, you yeah, know. Yeah. So that connection is still there. We are, we are not totally cut out of that belief, you know. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think in the sense that in our culture, whatever happens, we still go back to that particular. But I think there are a lot of ways in which the fear or the anxiety that we have about our present time is manifested in so many ways, especially in modernist texts, for example. The protagonist becomes very alien or alienated from the environment. Mm-hmm. If you watch a film like Budak Kelantan, for example, mm-hmm. the protagonist is out of place, mm-hmm. you know, but it also deals with masculinity, being in a place that is alien to it. You know, so as I said, the horror genre deals with contemporary anxiety. So it can be manifested in so many ways. But the thing with us is our filmmakers, they still use all those kind of archaic imageries because we still relate to that in the sense that I think it also appeals to a certain group of audience. Mm-hmm. You know, but if, if you look at detective films, right, uh, right. you know, investigative films, they still use horror elements into right, it, right. but they replace the metaphor with something else. Right, right. Something else, you know. Right. So, I guess the same point that need not be referencing horror, you know, tropes, in the Malay context becomes a story about a ghost because yeah. that's sort of what the context wants, right? Yeah. So you can tell, you can make the same point like in Budak Kelantan sort of displacement of masculinity yeah. by just telling that story. But here, it may, it may be useful for the audience to relate to it using horror genres or something like that. Yeah, and, and, and uh, in the case of Budak Kelantan, Kuala Lumpur itself is so monstrous. Yeah, yeah. So it's it becomes scary. a monster itself, you know. It's a rose by another name, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. but, but it deals with contemporary fear, fear of migrating yes, to the big yes. city, for example, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, for me, that's the reason why I think our filmmakers will need to find new metaphor. You know, new metaphor to deal with the fear that we have, the fear of technology. Mm-hmm. Our filmmakers are mostly very lateral. Meaning? You know, uh, lateral meaning that they use it as it is. because but straightforward. It's uh, straightforward in right. the sense that the, the objects are the objects. Right. Uh, they are, for example, our fear of, uh, like, say, the new media is seen right, as that. Right. But in other films, new media represents something else. Right, right. You know, right. it represents the fear of technology. It represents the fear of relationship. Or, uh, do you understand what I mean? It's not just that, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think we need to find our own metaphor, our own visual metaphor to articulate the idea of fear within our own society. Yeah. I, Who are some of the filmmakers that you think are trying that? Who are making the interesting attempts towards uh, in, that? In Malaysian yeah. context? Of course, uh, Din Sa'id mm. is one of them. Um, but I've uh, had communication with Din Sa'id before as well. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very intriguing character, mm-hmm. very well uh, film educated in that mm-hmm. sense. But I, I see other filmmakers as well who are attempting to. I think now we have some filmmakers who are actually educated as film students, mm-hmm. you know, so they come with uh, enough vocabulary mm-hmm. to create a good film, but maybe mm-hmm. they are not given enough chance. Mm-hmm. But I, I think 
in our context as well. It's not just the filmmakers, but I think our society, we don't engage ourselves with cinema mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. I think when we talk about media, communication, we always talk about internet and whatnot, but we never engage with the content, right? you know, right. philosophically especially. Interesting you know? stuff. Uh, we love to have you again on the show, talk about other things, pick your brain on other subjects. But thank you for today, Dr. Jam. Are you on... Twitter, Instagram, maybe the listeners can look up your, your, um, your uh, thoughts <laughs> online. <laughs> Before I forget, thank you, Fuad, for having me. And for me, I have done what, because I'm a media scholar, so I have been doing what I call media fast. Ah. I've been fasting from Facebook. Yeah. I've been fasting from uh, Twitter and whatnot. Uh, you know, yeah. so if you go to my Facebook, if you Google my Facebook, you'll find it. But I've not been active because I am experimenting with the experience of using the media itself. Okay. You know, and I'm I'm trying to sort of regain my power over <laughs> over the media. You know, so yeah. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm doing. But of course, uh, you know, if you go to my Facebook, you can still leave message, Great. and you know, I would uh, reply. To or that. just Google Jamaldin Aziz on. Google Scholar, they'll find your papers on various interesting topics using different psychoanalytic frameworks. I find it very interesting. I'm citing your work and my study as well. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I hope you don't just cite, but you engage with the text as well. <laughs> you know, this is okay. the supervisor in me talking to you. Uh, right, but, uh, sure. but, but of course, you can uh, Google Ton Fatima Hashim, okay. Women Leadership Center. Okay. Um, I'm the Deputy Director for uh, Women Leadership Center great, great. in UKM now. So Fascinating. Yeah. Stuff. Uh, we'll have you again on the show I'm sure to talk about other aspects of your work uh, you can email the show at bfmnightschoolgmail.com look us up on Facebook just type uh, Night School in the search space you'll find the page or download our app at the Apple App Store and Google Play Store once again I'm Ahmad Fahad Rahman and this is Night School on BFM 89.9 The Business Station Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.